If you have your Bible, you can turn with me. We're going to look at a couple places this morning, Mark 2 and Matthew 11. But I want to ask a question as we get started. And basically the question I want to ask you uh, this morning, and let's show hands. This is a safe place, right? This is a safe place. How many of you just always, almost always feel rushed? Anybody? You just almost always feel rushed. I see those hands, right? Well, as we look to Labor Day uh, coming up, right, uh, this is kind of the second new year. A lot of people use this opportunity as school starts and, and summer ends and all these different things to start, you know, new programs and to, and to stop doing some things, to start doing some things, to get organized again, to calendar and, and do all those different things and say, yep, I'm, I'm, I'm going back to the gym. I've been once since January and I've had the membership the whole time. I'm going back, you know, all those different things. And, and so we use that. And so I thought I would take this week and next week just to kind of talk about some, some of these things, right? But not just rushed, overwhelmed, anxious at all we have to do, not enough hours in the day. We try to squeeze more into it. Uh, fastest, we look for the fastest line at Walmart or Wally World, whatever you call it. Um, but, uh, but, but, we, but we, we do all of these things, but not just rushed. We're not just rushed. I've, I've talked to so many people over the last couple of weeks has been at camp and then at Johnny and friends and all of that about how so many people are occasionally and even often just disappointed in life, just flat out disappointed in life. Something's missing. They're so busy. There's no time to do what they love. Um, they're not, they're not sure who they're supposed to love, what they're supposed to love and just have the thought life's not supposed to be this way. I don't know if you've ever had that thought. Life is just not supposed to be that way. And for some of us, right, when we think back to a year and a half ago when everything shut down, it was, it was like a welcomed uh, 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 thing, right, that, that, you got to, that you got to stop. And we've talked all about that, right, the blessings and cursings of quarantine and all of that. I know one of the cursings of quarantine is that Kristen and I discovered Netflix and so that's a whole thing that we're going to talk about more in just a little bit. But what if I told you, what if I told you, so this is going to come up on the screen, and this is basically the thesis of our message this morning. What if I told you that the greatest enemy to the life you want to live may be the life that you're living? What if I told you that the greatest enemy to the life that you want to live may be the life that you're living? And we, and we can run in a lot of different directions with this, can't we? But what if I told you that the greatest enemy to the life that you want to live may be the life you're living? Now, let me throw out a disclaimer for just a second. Um, some of you are going to sit back today and next week and think, who in the world is Travis to preach this message? Right? Have you seen the life that he lives? Driving 8,020 miles in July across the country, two camps, speaking, I don't even know how many days in a row I lost count. Um, and each one was a different message. I don't think I repeat, you heard every message I preached. I don't think I repeated any of them. <clears throat> and so um, Dan and Ian are just, they've, they heard them all and they're just tuning me out this morning. Um, and, and so, and so I, I recognize, right, but what I want to remind you as we look at this, and one of the biggest things I think it's important to remember is this, 
um, everybody's plate's a different size, right? And, and so I, I believe that there's a balance between accountability and criticism, right? And so, and so I'm all about holding people accountable for the life that they want to live and the life that they want to try to live, right? But don't, but don't place your criticisms on somebody without knowing what kind of life they're going to live or they're trying to live, right? Like I read Paul, I'm just going to tell you, I'm just going to tell you. So hopefully this makes a lot of sense from where I'm coming from and the life that I try to live and the life that Kristen and I have committed to live. We read Paul in the book of Corinthians say to the church at Corinth, I will spend and be spent for the sake of your souls. And that, that, is, that is like my ministry motto, that I will spend and be spent for the sake of souls. I don't want to drive home from Sunday morning church with energy left. I don't want to drive home from Camp 207 with anything left in the tank, because that means I didn't leave it all out there, right? I don't want to drive home from Johnny and friends feeling like, whoo, let's go, right? Because then, then I, didn't, I didn't do something right, right? Those, those, those opportunities where we pour out aren't meant right, to, I mean, they fill us in some ways, but they're not meant to be restful, right? They're not meant to be restful. And so, and so I will spend and be spent for the sake of souls, right? But that's not everybody's calling, and I recognize that. But I don't want you to tune me out as I talk about these things, right? Because I believe that God has a message for each and every one of us, but I recognize this is one of the hardest messages that I could preach when we talk about slowing down and rest and looking to God for these things. So let's think about this, right? Hopefully not dysfunctional, but guessing that you're busy, we have places to be, we've got jobs to do, we've got bills to pay, we've got kitchens to clean, kids to raise, news to read, yards, don't even worry about the news to read, okay? Yards to mow, dinner to cook, clothes to buy, clothes to wash, clothes to not wear, more clothes to buy, photos to take, captions to write, soul-numbing, Netflix, and for many of us, and I could read the statistics, but I'm not going there this morning, okay? Don't take time for meals with family. Don't take time for deep conversations with friends, right? And we hear all of these things about rest, reflection, read, seek God, and we just flat out don't have time. But it's okay, because I don't have time, but neither does anyone else. And so that makes it okay, right? Because I'm just doing my thing, and they're, they're doing their thing, and you're doing your thing. And here's where I feel like God has really opened my eyes to this in the last couple of weeks, is that our time is even pushing out time for the family of God. That, that, that the most common thing I hear is that I don't have time for this. I don't have time. I feel disconnected. I feel isolated, all of that. But I can't plug into church because I just don't have time. Right? I just don't have time. And yet God gave us the gift of this body. And so again, what if the greatest enemy to the life that you want is the life that you're living? Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. So let's think about the way for a moment. Okay? We've got the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John. They, they spend most of their time, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John, talking about a time span of three years. Jesus' ministry, right? He was born. We, 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 we get a snapshot of his life and a few of the Gospels, not really a mark uh, of his birth. And then we get one snapshot of him when he was like 13. 
in the synagogue. And then we get in Luke 2.52, and Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God. And man, and that was it, right? And then boom, he starts his ministry. He embraced the mission of the Father. He recruited a heavenly team of 12. He trained them in the kingdom values. He endured hatred of the Pharisees. He resisted temptation from the devil. Healed all sorts of sick people. Loved all sorts of hurting people. Preached the word fearlessly. Fulfilled 351 Old Testament prophecies. And in doing it all, Jesus never once ran. In all the Gospels, we never once see Jesus in a rush. I mean, think about it, right? He's on his way to, to, to heal Jairus' daughter, and he stops on, on the way to do more ministry, and while he stops on the way, because he stops on the way, she dies. Not concerned, right? Don't worry, I'm coming. I'm going to save the day, right? But not once rushed, not once thinking, oh, we shouldn't have done that. He never looked at his disciples and said, man... Guys, we're behind schedule. We've got to make up some lost time. Uh, uh, Thomas is late. Again, let's just leave him. He'll figure it out, right? We never once see Jesus in this position. And so what does that mean for us? Two things. Uh, Ephesians 5.1, imitate Christ, therefore, as his dear children. That is the call of the church. That's Paul's message to the church at Ephesus. For us as Christians to imitate Christ, to imitate Jesus. So if Jesus never once ran or was rushed, what does it look like for us to imitate that? Right? What does it look like for Im us to imitate that? Mark chapter 2, verse 14. If you have your finger there, this is where Jesus calls Levi. Okay? I'm going to read a little bit before and a little bit after, but 14 is going to be on the screen. Apologize for that. He went out again beside the sea, who's the he, Jesus, and all the crowd was coming to him, and he was teaching them. And as soon as he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax booth, and he said to him, follow me. And he rose and followed, me, followed him. Verse 15, and as he, reclined at, uh, as he reclined at table in his house, many tax collectors and sinners were reclining with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. Now I want you to think about that for a second. What does reclining look like? Right? I mean, what does reclining look like? That sounds like rest, doesn't it? I mean, that, that sounds pretty unrushed, right? That sounds like what I'm hoping to be doing this afternoon, watching the PGA Championship, reclined. When I'm reclined, I sit in a chair that I got from Lois, and uh, it's big. It's a Travis-sized chair, and, and my feet are up. I think my feet are higher in elevation than my head are. Right, which is healthy for anyway, um, but uh, but but that 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 is my picture when I look at and as he reclined at the table, right. But what I want you to see here is the word passed. Everybody say passed. And as he passed by, as Jesus passed by, a lot of translations. If you have an NIV this morning, it will say, and as he walked by. Right As he walked by, what did he do? He called Levi to come follow him. And what did Levi do? He followed him. Levi was at the tax booth, no doubt, um, 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 pushing people uh, to, to, to pay their taxes, probably rushing around to, to get all of these things right to, in order. He was working, and we see Jesus passing by, walking by, and says, Hey, follow me. 
if Levi followed an unrushed Jesus, then Levi should have been living an unrushed life. Right? Imitate Christ, therefore, as his dear children. And so then, if we follow an unrushed Jesus, we should be living an unrushed life. If we follow and live for an unrushed Jesus, we should be living an unrushed life. Now let me address it. Because I know what many of you are thinking. But you don't understand, right? You don't know my kids. You don't know my boss. You don't know the expectations of my job. You don't understand this. You don't understand that. You don't get it, right? You don't get it. Who's in control of your schedule? I was reading, um, I, I was reading a book last week, uh, and it was about this, this, this big-time CEO that, uh, that, that, that never had any time, never had enough time, big-time CEO, never had enough time, and um, he, he burned out, went in the hospital thinking he was having a heart attack, he was just having an anxiety attack because of all the demands on his time and how he had never taken a day off in about eight, eight and a half years, I think it was, never took a day off, never took a day off. And, uh, and so he retired at 47. Just said, I can't do it. He was going to go and work someplace else. Burger King, he didn't care. He just could not work in the corporation anymore. He just couldn't do it. So he goes and, and, and tells the board that was over him, I'm done, I'm retiring, I can't do it anymore. And everybody's like, you're so young, you can't do this to us. If you leave, this thing's over, right? This thing's done, we're all in trouble if you leave. And he tells the story as, okay, but here's what I can't do anymore. This meeting that I leave for two hours where about three minutes pertain to me, I can't do it anymore. Okay, you don't have to attend that meeting. All right, well, uh, I can't come in the office until 9 a.m. Okay, come at 9.30. Uh, I have to leave by 4. Leave at 3.30, right? And so as he started to place the boundaries around his life, everybody around him said, you're so valuable, you're so important to this, we want to help you succeed. But he had to set the boundaries. He had to set the boundaries. I've had people uh, tell me, so when, when I preach at camp, it's a lot like this. And, and, uh, and I think one of the messages I preached at camp was like 51 minutes long. Right? 51 minutes. Liam, you remember? 50, 52? How many it was the Monday night. It was the longest message of the week. Okay, Elizabeth, stop nodding your head so hard. You're going to hurt your neck. Okay, okay. But but uh, but I had I had a couple people come up to me, adults that know everything. Okay, um, they they came up to me after and they said they said, man, you really shouldn't preach to teenagers for that long. They you can't hold their that that's just you know. And so really, what they were doing was complaining about how long I was preaching because they didn't want to sit there for so long because the teenagers were into it. I mean, they were captivated. They 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 had it right. They had it. And so I understood right. I understood because a lot of times when people bring you complaints or suggestions, right? It's and and they say I'm hearing from these other people. It's really them. It's really you, right? I get, I, and it's okay. I'm not, I'm not mad at anybody, 
right? And, and my response is, because Ian and I talked about it afterwards, right? Do you, do you hold the line or do you preach shorter? And I said, look, man, if I, if I, if I stopped preaching so long because people couldn't hold their attentions, right? I know you're tuning out, right? I know some of you are making grocery lists already. Some of you have made your plan for the week already. Like, you're good. And once, once the video ended, you were like, yes, finally, I can get my life organized now, right? While Travis is preaching. Okay, I get that, right? And, 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 the, and the statistics show back 15 years ago that the average attention span of um, the American person was seven seconds. Now it's under five, right? People say a hamster has a longer attention span than we do, right? Our goldfish, whatever the study is, right? Which is great. That, compare me to a goldfish, right? Anyway, I digress, right? But, but, and so if I shortened, right, to... To, to appease people, to listen to people. And, and, and I believe this is a problem way deeper than our attention spans, right? Then five years from now, you would say, hey, you need to shorten that more, right? You need, you, we need to be looking at under 20 minutes, right? And so anytime you push expectations, right, which is kids' number one goal, in life, right, is to push expectations of parents and to push the line, push limits, all of that. Anytime you bend, anytime you break, right, it lasts for a little bit, but then guess what? They want more. And they want more. And they want more. And they want more. And they want more. We have to set the boundaries and allow people to bend and and shuffle and organize around us around us. And so if we follow an unrushed Jesus, we should be living an unrushed life. And so here's the deal. If you find yourself always rushed, stressed, overwhelmed, exhausted, trying to get it all done, always falling short, look at Matthew chapter 11. This is where we're going to spend the rest of our time. Very popular passage. Okay? Um... Matthew chapter 11, we're starting verse 28. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Now, let's just pause for just a second. Who's speaking here? Jesus. Good job, good job. We're in church. Anytime I ask a question, Jesus. Not, not a wrong answer, okay? Not a wrong answer. may not be the right answer, but it's not wrong, okay? All right, all right. So Jesus is speaking here, and what does he say? Come, right? Come to me, all who are weary, all who are heavy laden, all who are exhausted, all who are stressed out. Come to me and I will give you rest. You know, you know, one of the core principles of rest, the Bible talks a ton about rest, even in, even in the commandments, about the importance of Sabbath, right? All these, all these different things. There's an incredible book out there about Sabbath called Subversive Sabbath. Unbelievable book on how to rest and the, looking at a deep dive in Scripture about rest and Sabbath and how it was important to God and should be important to us. But he's saying, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You know what that tells me about rest? It doesn't happen outside of Jesus. It doesn't happen outside of Jesus. Right? You may, take, you may have taken a Saturday and felt just exhausted, and so you had a, a Star Wars movie marathon, you wore your Jar Jar Binks shirt, you got so excited, you know, you did all these things, right? And you woke up Sunday morning more exhausted than you were Saturday morning, because binge watching is not rest. It's not. It's not. It's not. 
We don't rest outside. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, my burden is light. I love, from time to time, reading the message paraphrase. It's, it, I like to use it as a commentary. Uh, I, want, I want to read to you out of that, and it's going to be also on the screen. It says, are you tired? Worn out, burned out on religion. Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me, work with me, watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. I love that. Learn to live freely and lightly. Learn to live freely and rightly. There were a few times over the last couple of weeks, leave that up, Dylan. There were a few times over the last couple of weeks where God just moved in conversations, right? And I could tell you specific examples, but a lot of those people are probably watching this morning, and I don't want to call them out social media. Let's give it a few weeks until they stop watching, then we'll, then we'll use their names, okay? Okay, but... Um, but a few conversations I had, right, where God was just moving, where I could tell that, that, that something was happening in their life and would go and ask them about it. It was amazing how God would move in that conversation. They would leave that conversation and just be lighter. Just be lighter, right? Like you could just tell this, this burden, this heavy thing was lifted off of them. Maybe instead of Telling people how to fix their issues, sometimes we should just listen to what they have to say. Because sometimes people just need to talk. Is that good? You're like snapping over here. Like, is that the new amen for Jenny? Like, just snap. Yeah. We should just listen to what they have to say. And so, Jesus here says, get away with me. You'll recover your life. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden. You'll find rest for your souls. Walk with me. Watch how I do life. Don't just believe what Jesus believed. Live the way that Jesus lived. Jesus, given 33 years to start a world-changing revolution. And he waited 30 years to start. Right? Out of the obscurity, he was baptized, ready to save the world, spent 40 days alone with God. That's how he got started. He was baptized, right, ready to start his ministry, and he goes and spends 40 days in the wilderness. Right? He, he, and so he, 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 he spent 40 days alone with God. First miracle was at a wedding, all right? And Jesus, and Jesus um, uh, set the bar for this thing, right? Um, transportation, he could have chosen any animal. He chooses a racehorse donkey. Right? And if Jesus wasn't rushed, why are you? There's two reasons I believe we're so rushed. And that coming to Him, all who are weary and heavy laden, is so hard. Because we're running. We're either running from something or we're running to something. I believe we could sum up all of our exhaustion, all of our stress, all of our anxiety, all of our stuff, all of our st stuff by saying we're either running from something 
running to something. What are we running from? We're running from past. We're running from failure. We're running from insecurities. We're running from hurt. We're running from abuse. We're running from tensions and hard conversations that we've got to have that have to do with all of those things. What are we running to? Success. Money. Likes. Right? The American dream or whatever that looks like anymore. Right? We're running to. We feel like we've got to do all of these things. Right? Work hard now. Right? Just, just all, all these different things so that we can play hard later. Right? And the problem is that we're chasing a life that leaves us empty. We're chasing a life that leaves us empty because none of those things have to do with Jesus. None of those things. And so uh, remember in Scripture, careful that you don't gain the whole world and lose your soul. What if the greatest enemy to the life that we want is the life that we're living? Again, one more time pastor you don't understand you get to be like a full-time christian right i mean that's this is what you do right this is what you do you're you're a full-time christian you have time for what you choose to have time for (laughs) that's funny um you have time for what you choose to have time for the solution is not more time the solution is more of what matters most the reason you don't have time for what matters is that we're mindlessly spending our time on what doesn't matter. Listen to this. Average American. Ready? Average American. 706 hours a year on social media, TV, video games. 706 hours a year. I didn't play that out to how many days that is, but 706 hours a year, social media, TV, video games. Uh, Eight-hour workdays, four and a half months of working hours. We spend four and a half months a year working. Uh, 2,000 per year, 2,737 hours on TV. The average guy, sorry to call this out, fellas, but this is real, okay? Take it up with the article. Send Dan all your complaints, okay? Average guy spends 10,000 hours hours on video games by the age of 21. Whew! It's close. Might be a little high. But it's average, right? Yeah, that's right. Depending on, depending on if the Nintendo cartridge... I, I, I remember the Nintendos where you had to stick a knife on the thing to keep the thing down so that you could, you could really play it. Okay, 10,000 hours on video games by the age of 21. Or mindlessly wasting our lives on what doesn't matter. What if the greatest enemy to the life that we want to live is the life that we're living? So what do I do? What do I do? Um... I'm not going to give you a lot to do here, but what I have seen and what you may have seen in your life is that if we don't slow down, God may make us slow down. If we don't slow down, God may make us slow down. Um, He's done that to me a few times. And I want to think about, for just a moment, to consider, who is God? Right? What do we know about God? One of the things we know about God is He's love. Right? That God is love. And the greatest commandment is to love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, and with all our mind. Um, the, 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 I forget, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by John Mark Comer. Phenomenal book on hurry. One of the things that he talks about in that book is love is incompatible 
with hurry. Love is incompatible with hurry, right? Notice, um, um, it's easy, right? It's easy to go away to camp and get to know each other, right? Why can't we do that outside of camp? Because we're in a hurry, right? We've got, we've got places to go. We've got mows to lawn. I need a weed whacker, something bad, something awful at my house. You can tell I've been gone like five or six out of the last nine weeks, okay? Like things are looking rough, right? You could just, you could tell, right? And, but love is incompatible with hurry. Love is patient. Love takes time. Hurry doesn't have time. And so here's the prayer that I want to challenge you to pray, that I'm praying in my life. God, help me to walk slowly enough to experience Jesus fully and love people deeply. What would it look like if each one of us prayed that prayer? Help me to walk at such a pace. And remember, everybody's pace is going to be different for this. Right? Your pace is not going to be the same as my pace for this. Right? But there's two things here. Help me with three things here. Help me to walk slowly enough. Right? Help me to walk at such a pace. Right? For me, for my family, for, for, for my church family, to experience Jesus fully. To experience Him fully. Come to me, all who are heavy and and weary, and I will give you rest. Why? Because He wants to be with us. That was the whole point. Why did He come to earth? To make a way to be with us. To make a way for relationship with us. God, help me to walk slowly enough to experience Jesus fully and to love people deeply. To love people deeply. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And the second one is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And just with that prayer, I'm going to give you three things to try. Three things to try. Number one, be present in the moment. Be present in the moment. I don't know if it's that I'm getting older or what, but one of my biggest pet peeves is that when I'm having a conversation with somebody and they're like this. I'm listening. I'm listening. Keep talking, right? That's one of my biggest pet peeves. Anybody else? Okay, right? Right? Be present in the moment. Listen to people. See the needs of people. Hurt with people. Take time to do that. God, God, God can handle what's next. Right? But take time in the moment to be with people. I was with somebody. No, let's keep going. Number two. Number two. Number two. Number two. Choose what's important and eliminate what's not. Choose what's important, eliminate what's not. What's important? What's valuable? What matters for eternity? Choose what's important, eliminate what's not. Well, my job's not really important. Well, does your job put food on your table? It might be important, right? Yeah, but it doesn't matter for eternity. Well, does it enable you to live the life that you're living? It might matter, right? Choose what's important, eliminate what's not. When we do this, right, when we have a set of values, when we have a personal mission statement, which is 
to me, the best elective that happens at Camp 207, Christine Delano teaches our high schoolers how to develop a personal mission statement, right? When we have that for our life, spend and be spent for the sake of your souls, it helps us to say no to what doesn't matter, right? It helps us to say no to what doesn't matter. It says, helps us to say yes to what does matter. It gives us a why. I exist not to have fun all the time. I don't exist to, 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 to do some of the things that you do. I exist to push people to Jesus. That's the reason I live. And if I'm not doing that, I'm not satisfied. Like, I, that, I would preach, I, everybody's like, you must be exhausted, right? You preach like 12 or 13 days in a row. I'm ready to do some more. Like, let's go. I've had a nap. I slept till 942 yesterday. Let's go. Let's go. Right? And, and, and be, but, but that's my why. And I wouldn't put that on anybody else, but that's my why. Right? That's why I exist. Choose what's important, eliminate what's not. And, 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 and one, one, one more thing here. One more thing here before we go to number three, and then I'm closing. Right? A no for now does not mean a no forever. A no for now does not mean a no forever. Now, let me, let me use an example that may frustrate some of you, okay? I, I, I look to a day when I can go back to cemetery. I mean seminary. I would like to keep learning. There's some things I want to grow in. There's some things I want to do. There's some, there's some stuff I want to get done. I, would lo- I love learning now. Not as much 15 years ago, but enjoy it now, right? And I... I live for a day, but when I've got a kid that's 13, 11, 6, and 4, and some of you are like, well, well, there's never going to be a perfect time. Sure there will, right? Let me get all my kids in school, evaluate that for a couple years, then, well, then you're going to have one. Listen, I, I've got a plan, right? But a no for now to cemetery, I mean seminary, doesn't necessarily mean a no forever, right? A no for now for something for me and my life, a no for now for you, doesn't mean a no forever, right? But it just means it may not be the right time now because of the way I'm choosing to live my life, right? And so, number three, choose what's important, eliminate what's not, be present in the moment. Number three, sense God's presence and recognize His voice. Every person Jesus loved, every miracle Jesus did, he did as he went. The woman at the well, as he was walking by, as he passed by, Levi, as he walked by, as he was passing by. You Go through the Gospels. Go through the Gospels between now and the end of the year and underline every time you see the words, as he went, as he was going, as he... And so here's the thing. We say this a lot. I'm not asking you to add anything in your life so that you can rest. I'm not asking you to add anything in your life so that you can be more organized, so that you can live a purpose-filled life, so that you can live the life that you want to live. I'm not asking you to add anything. I'm not telling you to add anything. What I'm telling you to do is make Jesus a part of the thing. Make Jesus a part of what you're doing. Make Jesus a part. Include Him into your day. That you'll live on purpose, for a purpose. That you'll say no to things that don't include, that don't line up with those values that He has given you and the mission that He's given you for your life. Do that. 
include him in. Because what if the greatest enemy to the life that you want to live is the life that you're living? And how involved are you making Jesus into the life that you're living? God, help me to walk at such a pace. God, help me to walk at such a pace to experience Jesus fully and love people deeply. We're going to talk more about this next week. My prayer is that for you. Sounds like they're ready to get started upstairs, which means my time is up. Will you pray with me? God, I thank you that you have a plan for us. God, I thank you that we don't have to walk blindlessly or aimlessly, frustrated all the time. But God, that you've given us a purpose. That you've given us value. That our life matters. And so God, I pray for the person in this room that doesn't know how they can wake up tomorrow. I pray for the person watching this online that doesn't know how to find where to find the strength for the rest of the day. I pray for the person that's running from some things. I pray for the person that's just so focused on running to some things and for some things. And God, I pray that we would each take time. It's kind of the point that we would each take time to stop and know your God. That we would look at what matters. That we would look at how, how we're living our lives in comparison to how you lived yours. And God, that we would do whatever it takes to take some steps to modeling our life after yours. For us, for our families, for the people around us, our friends. And God, that we value this family that you've given us. In Jesus' name we pray.